Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectane. And Pat is out again today, so it's uh, it's just going to be me and Matt. Um, so last week, uh, Tulsa played basketball, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a really ugly game against Southeastern Louisiana, but they did pick up another win, so they improved to four and one on the season. Tulsa football. On the other hand, also played an ugly game on senior night, on Saturday night against Houston, uh, but could not come up with the win there. And now they sit at 3-8 and eight on the season. Lost 24-14 to 14 in what was probably the most boring game of the year for us. Navy's in contention for that, but at least Navy was scoring a lot. Kind of nothing happened this game. Um, so we'll, we'll, we won't spend too much time recapping those games. We want to spend more time uh, going down the list of football seniors that just played their last home game and break down some of their season stats. And after that, we'll get into next week where basketball has two games, and one of which will be against, I think, our toughest opponent yet. I don't know if there's any doubt about that uh, in Vanderbilt. And football has their last game of the year at East Carolina, and that is on Saturday. And to learn more about East Carolina, we will bring in another guest. We're going to talk to Bubba and Dave from the Sports Objective podcast about all things ECU football, but specifically Mike Houston, their quarterback, Holton Ehlers, and the rest of the team. Last to get to this week, so let's get it started. Stay golden. Hurricane. Okay, so we played a football game on Saturday. It was against Houston. It was senior night, Saturday night. Um, final score, 24-14. to 14. Not a great showing, like I said in the opener. And I think Matt probably agrees here. I, th- I think that was the most boring game of football that I've watched this season. I know Navy was, that, you know, that was, a, that was the only really blowout loss of the year. So that was disappointing in another way. But I don't know. I feel like Navy always has... You know, at least there's stuff going on. It's kind of fun to watch the triple option, try to find where the ball's at and see how they're going to attack that thing. Um, this one was just like, I mean, I guess there was a pick six against us. That was maybe the most exciting part of the game. It was just nothing was going on. I mean, we outgain- We put up a ton of yards. Like, you know, we talked about this right before we started. Um, Zach Smith threw, threw for 300-something yards, and I don't think either of us would have guessed that before uh, before looking at that. So just a boring one. But what were your kind of overall impressions on that game, Matt? Uh, yeah, so 381 yards for him, and then, so, okay, so Zach Smith threw for 381 yards, but the total yards of offense we had was 380, so. Wow. Does that include penalty loss yardage? That's that's like, set. no, it's just like sacks and stuff like that. Okay. So, it's just another time where we didn't protect Smith enough. And then even when we were, it was the turnovers just killed us. Like mm-hmm. this goes back to uh, that Temple game last year where we had oh, five turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just ugly. It was so bad that we like, titled our episode that week, I remember, last year about turnovers. Too many turnovers yeah. with T-U all capitalized. But just the uh, Montgomery said it game. we couldn't get out of our own way. We'd get a lot of yards and then just turn it over. 
and one of those led to the immediate touchdown. But our defense did a great job of stopping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they played a great game. But like they, so they finished with a total of 232 yards. And I think they had the one touchdown um, that Clayton Toon ran in after the mm-hmm. interception. And that was one of their first them. drives, too. Yeah. yeah, and that's they got the ball in the 35 because Smith yeah. threw a pick. Right. So you get rid of that, like, short field, and the defense gives up maybe six points this game. Yeah, I mean, that was the only offensive touchdown. The, yeah, yeah there was the pick six, and, uh, yeah, the kick return, yeah, the freaking kick return at the end. Uh, yeah, and that, that kick return came at the absolute worst time. We yeah, drive right after we... 98 yards down the field. You have that, that drive starts with that huge play to Keelan Stokes where I really wanted him to score. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't score on that, but we did end up scoring on that drive, which was good because I'm always afraid of yeah. the big play where we don't score on it. But So we score on that. Momentum's coming back. It's... Uh, what 17 14 we're within three points mm-hmm. and then they just run down the field for a touchdown which i mean honestly that was the worst the thing that's worse is that's kind of their second like kick return for the touchdown the first one they called back because oh, yeah. he like stepped out of bounds mm-hmm. but he was still in the end zone at the end of that run and so we know that they're good enough to do that mm-hmm. and they just do it and all the momentum immediately gets sucked yeah, out it sucked it's just over and i mean it was we've been playing with fire with this all year with Zach Long either not able to kick it in the end zone or purposely not kicking it in the end zone, so we try to get some kind of turnover. And it hasn't burned us. And finally, um, we kicked it to maybe one of the fastest guys in the conference and Marquez Stevenson, and he blows past the team. And wasn't very close the entire time. Like he didn't break any big tackles or anything. Like he had he broke some arm arm tackles, but basically just cut through, like diced yeah. through the entire it's defense. It's weird because our special teams had been had been strong on the uh, you know kickoffs so far other than the kicking itself yeah but to get gashed like that just worst worst possible time yeah it's a tough one i mean that guy's talented and we've been you know we'd held off all year from giving one up uh but this time uh was not to be speaking of b uh we lost to basically houston's i I would call it their b and a half team it's not really their b team because you know they've got some ballers still playing but like a b plus b being a b and three quarters team maybe that's more appropriate i don't know i don't want to go too far down down like they still have talent for sure but like their best players are basically not playing Derek king obviously the biggest one um keith corbin they're one of their best receivers probably second best after marquez stevenson and several guys on defense too i know so <laughs> that just makes it even worse to not be able to pull this thing off like we were there like we were obviously the better team i was telling you right before we started recording and i was telling you before the game too i was really considering betting on this game because what were we three and a half point favorites or something like if we played them again, I still would do it. I would I would bet money that we would win this thing by like over over double digits. And we lost by 10. And we just couldn't get anything going the whole time. And it seemed like we were the more talented team. Like we outgained them by 150 yards or whatever the number was. Um, but man, four turnovers, just brutal. It's not going to happen that way. Yeah, and last week we talked uh, with the guys over the Scott and Holman podcast about... I liked your emphasis on paw, on, pod, on podcast. Podcast. Yeah, nice yeah, job. Yeah, um, but they were talking about how it was their offensive line was their biggest concern, and we did a really good job of attacking that. We ended up Travis Gibson had the one sack, but he also had three and a half tackles for loss. Yeah, see, it's listed I, as one. I mean, I could have sworn he had two sacks. So it was one of them. Yeah, he, the I guy think was one running. He's already? considered a runner. It's just yeah. like the weird thing. That's Sucks. why sacks are like tackles for loss is the big one yeah. in my opinion. 
Uh, but we had like six, seven of those on the in the game. Just yeah, like we're wow. doing really good at getting penetration like through mm-hmm. their line, even with uh, well, now I guess the Josh. What's his? What was his name? Josh Johnson. Josh Jackson. Yeah, the guy that, according to Tulsa's stat page, started, but according to their uh, media guy, he did not start. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like we did it. Like our, I just want to emphasize like. Our defense did more than enough to win this game, and our offense, led by who is supposed to be the offensive, like most gifted offensive mind, Philip Montgomery, could not put up more than ten points. I mean, to be fair, he did get it done yardage-wise, and I don't want to defend him too much. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it seems like (laughs) ten. Yeah, right. But like, like, well, like we've said, he got the yards. We just kept coughing it up and that's also on him you know i mean it's it's on the players you know it's got to be on them a little bit turnovers are always individual mistakes uh but he is putting us he had us in position to you know get there get down the field and we were rolling and things just kept coming up but that's also on the coaching staff so you can't you can't go too far down that road um but it's just disappointing overall 10 point loss especially senior night um god it was just even worse because like nobody was there especially for a senior night you just feel bad for those guys who've been putting it all out on the line and it's an empty stadium i I mean i thought maybe there was a chance that attendance would bump after the ucf win but i guess a bye week is enough to make everybody forget that that happened or something bye week late november right before thanksgiving all the students are bad are like gone for break and stuff yeah i mean the students yeah i understand but like they're just one little section over there right but I don't know. I just late in, uh, late in the season against a three and like battle of three and sevens. But I think if you I think if you polled most Tulsa fans, they would count Houston as a rival, and you would think more people would show out for what we consider a rivalry game, even if Houston doesn't consider right, it as but much. Like what is the number of like Tulsa fans versus number of people that live in Tulsa that comes to games is drastically different. Like sure. a majority of That's people fine. that go to the games probably aren't Tulsa fans. They just no, I know. Because it's football. I'm so. just saying, of all the games that people might come to, you would think Houston and SMU would be t- the big, two of the biggest ones. Yeah, and I would say the people that were there were the Tulsa fans. <laughs> I would say, like, one of my coworkers' parents has season tickets, but they're, like, South Dakota State fans. So, like, they I know. I mean, yeah, I, I understand why people weren't there, but, like, you would, like, you know, I, I, I get the drop-off from, like, the first couple of games of the season because those are always going to be the biggest ones. But, I don't know, I still expected it after a win and to be Houston. I thought it would be more than it was, for sure. So, I don't know, whatever. I don't want to talk about this game much anymore. Do you have much to more to add on, on this one? No, not really. It's kind of like I, I kind of just want football to be over, to be honest. Yeah, I'm ready for it's, the recruiting it's, hype it's and brutal. to give myself false optimism once again. Yeah. I was so excited after non-conference ended, and then we hit conference play. <laughs> yep, and it's not been pleasant. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, it's something I I did want to I did want to mention. Uh, I forgot. Um, so you remember nine like nine minutes left in that game. It's fourth and ten. Monty decided to punt. Tu fans, the the few that were there, all booed him basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he called a timeout. Then he decided to go for it. Did was do you think that was like specifically because the fans were booing? Like, had nobody booed right there? Do you think he would have just punted away, no problem? No, I, I I don't think the fans are the reason that he. Really? Yeah. I wonder why he would have turned it around so quick. Uh, I mean, I just think it was something that he wasn't fully decided about. But 
I mean, it's just another where it feels like we wasted a timeout again, but that's kind of just what Monty has done in the past. I kind of think it would partially was influenced by the booze. Like he knows his like job is under fire. Yeah. I mean, he wants to please the fans. If it is, that's, that's a real bad look. If that, <laughs> if that forced him to change his, cause you should not let the, no, I know. like listening to the Tulsa fans around us, like they should not be impacting the play calls of, of these football games whatsoever. Yeah. I know. Like they know, it seems like they don't know a whole lot about football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna optimistically say it's not. Yeah. What <laughs> it's probably it probably isn't, but I don't know. I could see it being a, a small influence. But like to make it even worse, after that he call- so he calls the timeout. Coming out of that timeout, we get a freaking delay of game. I don't coming out of the timeout. Like how do you do that? Well, uh, and then actually, we still go we for it. Get it. What? We didn't actually get a delay of game because he used another timeout to prevent the penalty. But Did it he? would have been. Oh. Yeah, he called it. He had to call another timeout. With oh, second. I don't remember that. They threw the flag, but then they called it. Okay. Took it up. And then we still went for it, which, you know, you stick to your guns at that point. But then, uh, like, had a wide-open guy, too. Like, Keelan Stokes wide open sitting there. But Smith got hit immediately and saw the wide-open Stokes, threw it to him, but uh, put too much on it, threw it right over his head, turned it over. So just, an, uh, you know, I don't know. Just a weird, weird little scenario that happened there. Okay, let's move on. Um, we're going to talk to the East Carolina guys here in a bit. Before we do that, real quick uh, recap on basketball. Uh, we don't have to spend much time doing this because it was also a pretty ugly game. Yeah, man, we picked like the two. <laughs> Going to both the basketball and yeah. football, like what? I was convinced we were going to lose that game yeah, to southeastern ugly, Louisiana. You know what they are in Ken Palm, right? They, I mean, they were 331 when we played them. Yeah, well, okay. So actually only dropped two spots. But yeah, they're three thirty three now, as of yesterday when I was looking it up. So, I mean, we dropped after beating. Uh, no, I know by like seventeen or like yeah, fifteen or seventeen. We're like, what are we one one thirty one or something yeah, now? We were one seventeen at that game. Yeah. So I mean, dude, it was not good. Like you said, final score seventy three sixty six. It was not like so. That's what a seven point win. It was not a seven point game. We were with them the entire time or down. And, you know, we moved to four and one and that's good, but it was, it was not, not a fun game. Like Joyner out all game had some kind of foot injury that he didn't really decide it was going to be a limiting factor until like an hour before the game, apparently is what Haith says. So Isaiah Hill starts a point guard, second game in a row for that. Darian Jackson, Brandon Rochelle, Reggie Jones, Manny Ugbo, which uh, those were two newcomers to the starting lineup. Reggie Jones started over Lawson Carita, which we've been kind of asking for for a while. I doubt it stays that way, to be honest, but Fun to see it for a game or two. And then Manny Ugbo started over Martin Zigbanu, which definitely is not going to be um, something that is consistently happening. But good to see him get playing time. He's a raw new guy. Uh, the more he's on the court, the better. So happy to see him in there. But, man, ugly, ugly game. Yeah, we couldn't get any of our shots to fall through. Rebounding, we were just letting them take the offensive boards. Talked about how this was going to be a good game to like not give up turnovers, and we had like twelve in the first half alone. Like Isaiah Hill, like just can't keep the ball, dude. It, he's just been. I mean, I know he's a freshman. You're putting a, especially at a point guard spot. That's the probably the toughest spot to put a freshman out on the on the floor. So I I expect some turnovers, but like I was saying to you during the game, crunch time at the end there, he shouldn't have been in. I, I don't think he was he was a liability out there. I mean, he wasn't last game, like two games ago. He had a good game. Like he still had four turnovers or whatever, but yeah. he was making shots. He was making good passes. Um, this time, 
what he had two points i think or something mm -hmm. and two couldn't points. get yeah couldn't get anything going the whole time yeah dude I don't, I don't know it was it just looked like we were telegraphing a lot of our passes we couldn't deal with like a simple press like yeah it was like it seemed like we just couldn't figure out we'll like, see how, I, to, <laughs> how to get into our game i was listening to haith's post-game thing post-game conference and he was saying um that he thinks that he got asked about that like why could why we couldn't break this press and why all the turnovers and he literally he said i don't know if he actually thinks this or not but he thinks that our team thought we were so much better than them that we were just kind of kind of showing off kind of doing whatever he wanted to do not making the smart plays i mean i believe, i agree i would believe that for sure yeah because it seemed like we were just like very lackadaisical i know it, dude it seemed like we had no on. fire we weren't doing anything like we were just walking around thinking we were just going to march these guys. And fortunately, dry horn came alive at the end of that game and got us the win. But man, we were staring down the eyes of defeat at that entire time. It yeah, was terrifying. It and we were, yeah, we, we talked after the game, like we need somebody on this team to like get, I don't want to like get into it, but like, be hyped or get the rest of the team, get them going. And, and see, that's right like Joyner is kind of that guy. I feel like right. he's the one who's slapping the floor and getting people moving. And so even, but if Joyner's not on the floor or if he's hurt or if he's not going to play, I, I mean, I, I think the best candidate for that is a guy like Darian Jackson just seems yeah, like no he'd doubt. Be next up. Cause I don't really see a ton of the other guys doing it right now, but I mean, Rochelle plays like it, but he's not, it doesn't seem like he's very vocal at this point, but Darian, I think is more of a vocal kind of leader person um but yeah like you said you said during the game it seems, it seems like we're just the fighting brandon rochelle's and darian jackson's out there or if we were we'd be way better if we just had five of those guys or three of one and two of the other i suppose uh, but they both had great games the other good thing about that game george got in the game well it wasn't good but I, it was good that he got in there but his first touch hey, he had the, well he had that block like he came in he had that block right off the bat what he blocked a shot he blocked a shot oh, i missed that and it was a guy shorter than him <laughs> uh, that he blocks right at the baseboard went out of bounds but i mean it was wow. awesome i totally missed that uh and then his, he inbounded the ball and just to darian like, yeah, right? threw it directly out of bounds just like darian wasn't even looking at him or something he just, yeah, it, yeah it was just a complete lack of like communication yeah. and so he threw it Dude, as Darian Jackson was already running down the court. How bad? So. How bad do you feel? You've been practicing hard your whole career. You're waiting for this moment. You finally get into the game. You're like, all right, I get to inbound this ball. First time I've touched a ball in live game scenario. I think, as far as I know, I don't think he ever has before the, yeah, in college. Other than the block. Yeah. So like first possession. Yeah. He gets that. He he takes it out of bounds. He's like, all right, let's let's freaking do this thing, out of bounds. Not, not what you want really sucks uh and then he didn't get in the rest of the, like he was in for like one more possession and then he was out and then he didn't come in the rest of the game he if he yeah, if he retires now he will have one of the <laughs> most interesting uh block percentage of 87 and a turnover percentage of 100 hey let's go george um i don't know i i would love to see him in there some more and i'm yeah. sure he will be um i mean we play a lot of yeah. bad teams still so mm -hmm. true but how good are we to we'll see <laughs> Uh, something I did like that Haith said in that post-game interview, um, he made a good point that I had kind of thought of but didn't formulate. Uh, he said that basically without the except or with the exception of Darian Jackson, that our young guy, like the new guys to the team or the young guys, are really outplaying like our older veteran guys. And usually early in the season, that is the opposite, right? Early in the season, you're going to be counting on your veterans to 
run the team while your new guys are kind of getting acclimated and figuring yeah, out what their role seems is. Like the, it seems like the veterans just don't really care that much right now. Yeah, and like it's totally flipped, which, you know, honestly, I think is a good sign because I have all the confidence in the world that Jariah Horn is going to be our probably our best shooter this year. And it's going to come. Like, yeah, especially it has to. like how he started that game versus how he finished yeah. it. Like that's what you kind of hope carries on. Yeah, I mean, so he gets going. Lawson's just got to do like an average job. Elijah's got to step up like that. That's a big key to the season is how good Elijah Joyner is going to be, I think. And we have a bunch of other good guards, but he's an important piece. Like he's the leader of the of the guards now. Um, he can do it like he's probably, you know, he's one of the better shooters out there. Rochelle has got a shot to be maybe our best guard shooter uh, outside of, you know, I'm counting Horn as more like a guard forward style. Um, but then also Igbanu, I have no doubt that he, dude. He, had he has really had a good, bad he had early some really season. Really good moves, and they just could moves. not put them in. Put Dude. the ball in the freaking basket. Yeah, beautiful moves. Like honestly, really, really solid. Um, gets wide open. Like they're so good that he's literally standing by himself under there. He's just not expect. He's like expecting <laughs> somebody to be like yeah. blocking him. He's yeah. used to the easy shot. Yeah, he's ready for somebody to hit him on the arm, and he just like launches it off the backboard or something. Um, because yeah, he's missed a lot. Like it's not one or two. Like it's been a couple games in a row now where he's missed like one or two per game uh, or three maybe um, where he's just kind of been wide open and thrown it off the backboard and it's not even close. So, you know, if we get Igbanu going, we get Horn going. Those are the two, those, those are the two biggest pieces. Joiner is also right there. And then Lawson just needs to be, you know, the, the consistent guy that we want him to be and like hit a three every now and then when he, whenever he takes that shot. Um, but like, I don't know. That's, I feel like that's more encouraging than the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically it. Uh, I don't have much else to say on Southeastern Louisiana. Um, just an ugly game. I'm encouraged by the young guys. Uh, need the older guys to start turning around, especially with the games we've got coming this or you know, one of the games we've got coming this week. We've got South Carolina State, who is not that's good. I want to I see us play that game. Like I want to see us play with passion against a bad team and just like whoop up on them. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We'll see. Three, they're three hundred thirty eighth in Ken Palm. Like we right, said, Southeast Louisiana. Shouldn't be, we shouldn't be like scoffing and like, okay, we'll see if the team decides to play no, against these teams. Like we should be beating the crap out of these yeah, guys. It's true. So hopefully we are. Like we're we're one thirty one now. We'll preview those games um, after the interview with the uh, Sports Objective podcast guys from ECU. But that's on that's on Tuesday um, or Wednesday at one one o'clock this week, and then we've got Vanderbilt on Saturday at seven. Vanderbilt is one twenty five in Ken Palm. So six. Ken Palm points separating us. So that, that should be an awesome one. So we'll talk about that after the after the recap or after the preview of UCF uh, with the interview with those guys, with Bubba and um, Dave. So let's give them a call, and we'll be back after the call and recap some basketball or preview some basketball. All right. So we've got Bubba and Kyle from the Sports Objective Podcast here today. They are one of the best sources of info for everything ECU sports, and we are super excited to have them on the podcast. So – First thing first, guys, uh, first thing I wanted to know about you is how you all got started and how long you've been doing this for. Uh, our, our third member of the team, Dave Richmond, started the podcast about a year and a half ago. And uh, Dave has a background of about 25 years in radio and um, kind of just wanted to do something on his own, something sports-related. He wasn't doing sports radio, uh, doing uh, FM, kind of adult contemporary stuff, and missed doing sports radio. So he started the podcast. Uh, he reached out to me. I'm a bit notorious for uh, my phone calls to uh, local ECU media. 
Um, <laughs> and so uh, he reached out to me to help him with the podcast just because I had a little bit of name recognition locally. And then uh, Bubba uh, just was listening to the podcast and reached out to us, thought he could be of help. And, and he was. Bubba's incredible with getting guests and is a statistical just maniac. Bubba knows that from East Carolina games dating back to when he was a baby somehow. Um, so uh, that's how it started. Started with, started with Dave, then uh, then I joined about two months in, and then uh, Bubba's been uh, been with us since about well, I guess six months in. Yeah, something like that. It was um, right there, I guess June or July of last year. So uh, it's something that I've certainly enjoyed, and, and time's flown. It's hard to believe that we've been at it um, going on a year and a half now. Yeah, very cool. We're uh, we're kind of a similar timeline. We just got started um, early, like kind of right before the season, football season started last year. So it's nice to know that uh, we've got some kindred spirits in you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. So the first the first real question I've got for you, um, Holden Ayler, your quarterback, has really really seemed to come alive, especially the second half of this season. And is there is there something is there a secret to success really, or is it is it just kind of a steady progression from last year where he first came in or has something changed schematically that's helped him out or what's going on with Holton? That's a good question. Uh, Bubba can probably give you an inside perspective. He played quarterback a little bit in college, but uh, what, you know, the the rumors are, you know, we've simplified what we're doing offensively, uh, playing some younger offensive linemen that are better at pass blocking, receivers are learning the new schemes better, uh, tight ends, the tight ends have progressed. Tight ends are really important in this offense for blocking and in the red zone. In our red zone, uh, propensity really has gone up a lot. Um, uh, in everything from to Donnie Kirkpatrick, the offensive coordinator, so starting with the UCF game in October, he left the sidelines and started calling games from the booth. So any number of those things, I think it may be just as simple as the light bulb went off in Holton's head and the game started to slow down for him. Yeah, yeah. he's a uh... – He's an early enrollee, so, I mean, you look at it, he's a true sophomore. All right, so last year he started the final six games of the year. Mm-hmm. Then coming into this year, so, I mean, he had to make that transition to a new offensive coordinator. And so with that, obviously, uh, a lot a lot of new terminology and um, a lot of um, RPOs and so forth and a lot of the skill pieces around him quite frankly, are, uh, are freshmen and sophomores as well. So it's just I think it took us a lot of time to get everyone on the same page and um, get ev- getting everyone um, operating um, at a high level. And uh, I think when you saw what we did against Cincinnati um, with the defense of Cincinnati's caliber, uh, that that was uh, it was surprising to all of us because we, we had not seen anything close to that up to that point in the season. Yeah, and, yeah. and Donnie Kirkpatrick has been saying all year, if we can just do it one game, if we can take the top off on one game, we'll be able to do it the rest of the season. And uh, so far, those are true words. Yeah, it definitely seems like you have. I mean, for, you're 43 points against Cincy and then 51 against SMU. And that's something I wanted to ask you about, too. I mean, similar to us, you guys have had some really close losses. Uh, we've, we've faced some of the same troubles this year. And Cincy and SMU being the most recent examples of that. I mean, three point loss to SM or Cincy, who 17 right now, and then uh, you know an eight point loss to SMU. And those are two of the best teams in the conference in the whole league. So what are the big? I mean, 
one of the biggest factors that keep you in those games is it the is it the changes offensively that is, you know it's just working for you now uh and then if it is and 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 you're staying with them um what are the missing pieces that you still need to actually get the wins in those games I think the biggest thing, particularly with the SMU game, was definitely offense because we couldn't stop a lick on defense. Uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati uh, offensively, um, of course, but I think defense, you know, played okay against Cincy. Uh, the biggest things we need to change to, to turn those into victories is just knowing how to finish games against good football teams and know how to win. It's one of the biggest things is learning how to win. Mm-hmm. And when, when you got a Cincinnati that's been rolling – and you're up by 12 going into the fourth quarter, and you, you let one mistake turn into another mistake turn into another mistake, they're used to winning, we're not, and it just kind of snowballs. So just getting that belief to finish games, knowing how to win. And uh, another thing that would help being able to play a little bit better defense, and if you go back to that Cincinnati game, if we were able to run the ball a little better, that would have killed some more clock in the fourth, and that would have helped. Um, so establishing a more of a running game, and uh, playing better defense and just mentally knowing how to finish out a game. Yeah, I agree with Kyle. Um, The biggest things that we need to do is the improvement on the defensive side and then also um, a more consistent ground attack. I mean, it's certainly gotten better as the season's gone on, but still nowhere near where it needs to be. And um, and like you said, that would have helped uh, late, late in that game against Cincinnati being able to drain the clock a little bit more effectively. Awesome. Uh, so kind of transitioning to uh, Mike Houston. Um, it's his first season uh, with, the, you know, full-time with the, with the Pirates over there. Uh, it's about to be the end of his first full season. At this point, are you are you all um, personally still as high on Mike Houston as all of ECU seemed to be when he was first hired, or have things kind of steadied out and tapered down for him, or are you still just as excited as you were originally? Uh, I personally love Mike Houston. Um, he, he is a consummate competitor, man. He there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be successful here long term. Um, he, he's just got that. He just reeks of confidence, and it's and it's natural. It's not BS. He uh, he's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been. Mm-hmm. Uh, four wins. This is the first time we've won four games in a while. I mean, we've had three back to back three win seasons. Yeah, right. And uh, you know, hoping to close it with five wins. I know you guys are hoping we don't, but uh, it's, it's the improvement. And just forget the win total. There, there's really only been two games this year that we've been out of the ball game, and that was uh, at Navy, and then unexplicably against South Florida, we just played terrible. Yeah. Um, so besides those two games, we've been in every single game, and you know under Scotty Montgomery, we were getting blown out every week. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, even though full wins, I think when you look at how young, I mean, we're playing so many freshmen, so many sophomores. We are a super young team particularly on offense. I mean, we literally, Bubba, I believe this is right, one offensive lineman graduates, that's it. We got everybody back on offense next year. So a lot of youth. So, yeah, I'm still really high on Houston. Cool. And and to tell you kind of a a funny story, guys, to just talking about us personally, how high we are, the three guys on this podcast, on Mike Houston, um, back in, I guess it was August of uh, last year, so Coach Houston was, of course, going into, I guess, his third season at James Madison. And uh, we were such big fans of Coach Houston and, and wanting to get him on the show because if Coach Coach Moe's third season didn't work out, which obviously ended up being the case, um, Mike Houston was at the top of our list. And uh, so 
we ended up having him on the podcast and uh and then of course there uh, a few months later he was our head coach yeah wow that's amazing that, that really worked out for you guys that's crazy i just look real smart yeah yeah no doubt uh that's cool yeah um you're mentioning how young you guys are and the, you've been in every game i mean it's, it's crazy how, how similar that mirrors our season too like we've been in like the same the same game that we weren't close in that you guys weren't close in in navy uh that was the only game that we really got uh kind of blown out every other thing has been similar or, or has been close and then just like your offensive line like we also only graduate one offensive lineman uh, this season and everybody else is coming back so it's just kind of it's interesting um got some a lot of similarities playing uh when, when we meet up on saturday yeah, I'm predicting overtime. That's how even I think it is. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. I'd love to, you know, hopefully we come out on top of that one, but I'd love to see an overtime game either way. Um, so my my last question for you, and you kind of touched it on it a little bit um, last question, uh, but I, I wasn't sure how young you all were. So how do you see ECU doing next season? Do you think it will be a, a big improvement? I know a lot of people talk about the second-year jump under, you know, a second-year head coach, but are you losing many key pieces? It sounded like no. Um, but how do you think you guys will shape up? Um, on offense, we should be fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Special teams should be fine. Um, schedule's a little tougher next year non-conference. Not brutal, but it does step up a little bit. Um, defensively, we're going to need to do some things in recruiting, I think, uh, through the transfer portal, um, maybe through some, some – well, signing day's coming up in December, so uh, junior college may be out. But we're going to probably need to do some things through the transfer portal um, with some defensive players uh, during the off season to shore up some things, uh, in, you know, um, in the defensive line, linebackers. Secondary struggled, but it's really young. I think we're only playing one upperclassman in the backfield, and that's yeah. uh, me a secondary, and that's uh, Colby Gore. So uh, secondary should be fine. should be a lot better next year. But I think with defensive line and linebackers, uh, so for us to contend for the East, well, I guess we're not going to have divisions next year. So for us to contend for a conference champion at seven, eight, nine wins, we're going to need to be a lot better on defense. But even if we're not any better on defense, I think this offense has the potential next year of just outscoring people and uh, maybe getting to a bowl game. So, uh, yeah, I expect us to take a big step uh, in year two. Yep, can't argue with that. That's kind of my expectation as well. Um, We had the same, like, second-year bump when we first hired Phil Montgomery. He went six and seven year one, and then year two, was the 10-win season for us, and sadly has not continued <laughs> after that. But uh, that second-year bump, I think it's a real thing. So I'm excited to watch you guys next year. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, Matt, do you have any questions for him? Uh, yeah, so I just have the one, and it's kind of – I'm just trying to get a feel for what other people around the American kind of think. What are you guys' thoughts of the way that they're handling the scheduling now that the divisions are – gone because originally they talked about trying to make maybe a two permanent rival but it sounds like that's not going to be a thing um do you guys have any thoughts on what you think scheduling is going to be like going forward i don't think that's going to be a thing because i don't think we're going to stick with 11 teams very long um i think we're going to end up adding a 12th member uh we have that two-year waiver to uh to, to play a championship game with 11 teams without having divisions or without playing everybody in the conference like the Big 12 does. And I think uh, I think we're going to go back to divisions and add a 12th member. And that'll probably end up – that discussion will probably heat up a lot in the next six months or so 
because mm-hmm. if, if after two years we're going to need to do it, you're going to need to make that announcement fairly soon. So I think that's why they abandoned those plans to do the uh, the rivalry game, so to speak. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Any you guys have any early thoughts on who you think that 12th member will be? I have a theory. Um, and Bubba kind of, I think, agrees with it. Uh, Air Force's head coach uh, about a month ago made some public comments about how he was not happy in the Mountain West. They recruit nationally, particularly on the East Coast, playing West Coast teams constantly, 9, mm-hmm. 10, 11 o'clock kickoff Eastern. Uh, Navy's in the league already in the West Division. Uh, I, I think it's going to end up being Air Force. Yeah, that was one of the ones I that came to my head right away, too. I could totally see that. I mean, geographically, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but there's already such weird geographic disparity in the conference that it would uh, it'd be fine. Uh, but I could totally yeah. see Air Force. That makes sense. Navy over to the east, you move Air Force to the west. Yeah, yeah. that makes very much I actually think you would put Memphis in the east, lead Navy in the west, so they can have their division rivalry with Air Force. That's fine. I'd rather Memphis go, get out of uh, – <laughs> rather not play them every year. So. And then you got that Cincinnati Memphis rivalry in the same division too. If you put them in, yeah, 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 that'd be crazy. All right, guys. Um, well, I think that's all we've got for you. Want to really thank you for joining us here and taking some time out of your evening. I know it's pretty late, so thanks a lot for that. Um, just before we let you go, where can people find you on Twitter? I know you're there, but um, where can people find your your Twitter account, your podcast, anything else you want to plug? Save that, Bubba. Yeah, on Twitter you can follow us at the Sports OBJ, and then on Instagram it's at the Sports Objective. On Facebook you can find us by simply searching the Sports Objective, and then you can listen to our show pretty much anywhere you find podcasts: SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Google Play Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Audio Boom. You name it, you can probably find it. All right. Well, thank you guys again. Appreciate it. And let's have a good game on Saturday. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having us on. Okay, so let's move it on to basketball. We've got two games this week. We play uh, one is home, one is away. Uh, Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Um, So we've got South Carolina State at home on Wednesday at 1 o'clock, and we have Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt. Um, And this whole thing we've been doing is the Vanderbilt. Is it it called the Vanderbilt Invitational? I believe so. Um, And that is on Saturday at 7 p.m. So first things first, South Carolina on Wednesday, 1 o'clock at home. South Carolina State, they are 2-3. and three. They are out of the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. No, it's it's actually pronounced the MIAC. It is pronounced the MIAC. You are correct. Uh, they are 338th in Ken Palm. Uh, for a little bit of reference there, Southeastern Louisiana, who we just played last week, was 333rd, or is, is currently 333rd. I think they were 331st when we played them. Um, and we are now sitting at 131 in Ken Palm. Uh, the weird thing that jumped off the page to me for South Carolina State, they have... No close games at all. Like, no even single digits. Memphis beat them by 33. Vanderbilt, who we play next, beat them by almost 40, by 37. They have a 15-point win over Bob Jones University, which I have never heard of. It's uh, Division two. D2, there you go. 15-pointer. Uh, they have a 26-point loss to Liberty, and they have a 24-point win over Wilberforce. So this is the opposite of us. We have one 15-point loss, and the rest of our games have all been relatively close wins. So, I don't know. It's just strange. They uh, they can't seem to keep it close with anyone. They either, they either win by a lot or they lose by a lot, and they are 2-3 and three overall. 
Their leading scorer looks like this senior, uh, Damani Applewhite. Very cool name. Uh, but no one else really stands out on that team. Like he, he's like a stretch leading scorer. Like he averages 10 points a game and he is technically their leading guy. No one else averages more than that. Um, they've got another guy, Ian Kennard, who is shooting 50% from the three point line, but he doesn't shoot that many threes. So, uh, that's like, they're just kind of a, kind of an odd team. Um, I don't want to say this shouldn't give us any trouble because I said that last week against Southeastern Louisiana and we came very close to losing that game. So not going to say that ever again until we win like five in a row by 30 or something, uh, which I don't see happening this year, but you never know. Um, But this is a team that's projected to lose to Austin P by like double digits. So, so what are you saying, Matt? I'm saying we should win by at least double digits. We should, but would you, would you predict that? I would predict winning by triple digits. Wow. If you had a decimal place for the zero. Ah, okay. Good. Yes. <laughs> so by 1.00, right? Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It Like, on paper, we should roll these guys. It, it, it all comes down to, is the team, have they learned from our previous not caring about it, and they're actually going to show up in, like... Good point. You, they, this game needs to be used as a step up, like a tune-up game. Because the Vanderbilt is the first one that really should have been, like going into this, this should have been our first true test. But then they already blew it against UT Arlington. So yep. now here's your second chance, like prove that you've got what it takes to be competitive yeah. this season. That's a good point. You're probably right that it's probably good that we got the we are awesome game and almost lose because of that out of the way against Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, against a team that is talent-wise way worse than us. So at least that happened, and we still won, and we didn't blow it. Um, so hopefully uh, they come out not acting like that. And what we also need to see is that we need the seniors to step up. Or not the seniors, but the veterans more, um, which includes the seniors, to step up and, and be the guys we know they can be, along with our you know killer new guys uh, like Brandon Rochelle and everybody else is doing well early in the season, uh, Reggie Jones, those kind of, those kind of players. So um, like I said, that's on Wednesday, 1, one o'clock at home. Uh, right day before Thanksgiving. So if you can make it out, that would be awesome. Um, on Wednesday, or the next game, I mean, uh, which is on Saturday at 7 p.m., we play Vanderbilt, who is 4-1 on the year. Obviously, they are out of the SEC. Um, they are much more similar to us in terms of talent and outlook on the season and everything like that. They are 125th in Ken Palm. And like I said, we are 131. So really, this one should be, should be more or less of a toss-up. It is at Vanderbilt. That'll give them a little bit of an edge. Um, but they, they're a good team. Like we are not going to be able to afford some of the kind of games we've played so far this season. Uh, we need a game more like ORU. Would, would, would you still say that ORU has been our most complete game overall? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we looked, honestly, we looked, we looked pretty good. And I, I don't know, ORU is not, you know, anything special either, but, um, no, I mean, and they're the best team that we've actually beaten Yeah. so far. So. Yeah, so we need we I had don't know. to we had to play well to actually beat them, right? Or we had to you know play at least decently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So hopefully we come out of the gate looking good against Vandy. Um, they, you know, four and one. Like I said, they beat Southeastern Missouri by eighteen. They only beat Texas A and M CC, which I assume is Community College. Texas A and M dash CC. I'm not totally sure, but that's what I that's what Cor- I assume. There. Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, they lost to Richmond by one. They beat Austin P, who we played by 18. 
and they beat South Carolina State. Like I mentioned, uh, when talking about South Carolina State, they Vandy beat them by 37. So. Richmond, Richmond's good this year. Yeah, they, they're pretty much consistently like a know, you know, like pretty eight, solid team. Yeah, they're 82 in Kempom. They're projected to finish in the top you know, three or four in the A-10. Yeah. Um, so, you know, competing with VCU, Dayton, Davidson. Right. Duchenne. Definitely not a bad loss there for them. Especially was that, where was that game at? I don't know. The Richmond game? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. It looks like it was at Richmond, so. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that nice win for Richmond there for sure. Because, Van, like, Vandy looks like, a, you know, a solid team. Um, they've got their their leading scorer, at least, uh, is the sophomore Aaron Nesmith. He averages 25 a game, which is pretty nice. Uh, they've got a junior named Saban Lee, which is also a very cool name. Averages 18 a game, seven assists, two steals. But the guy to look out for, they've got a freshman, Scotty Pippen Jr. And, yes, it is, I looked it up. He is the son of the Hall of Famer. Scotty Pippen. Obviously, Scotty Pippen. Played for the Bulls, played with Michael Jordan back in the day. Um, playing for Vanderbilt now in the SEC. He's a freshman this year. And looks like a pretty good player. He's, he's averages 11 a game, four assists, 1.8 steals. So kind of in that top tier of their players already as a freshman, which is very scary uh, for future outlook, whoever has to play them later in the season and in the coming years. But we get to play that guy. So that'll be fun. It'll be fun just to watch him. And I don't know, maybe his dad will be there or something. That would be pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, Scotty Pippen Jr. playing for the for the Commodores out there. What are the chances do you think we win this thing? Uh, after like watching our team, not high, but knowing what our team can do, uh, if we actually get all our guys going. So Brendan Rashal is Brendan Rashal. Darian Jackson plays his game. If Horn's got his shot, if we cut off the turnovers, um. If Reggie Jones plays like he did in those couple of games that he's played well instead of the last game, like we we have a chance to win. Mm. Uh, I would say maybe not. It's not a coin toss. We're definitely not favored. Um, but I'd I'd say like I'd give us like a forty percent chance to win. If I mean that's if everything goes right. Yeah. And you obviously can't count on that because so many things don't go right on a regular basis. It seems. Um, so I'm really looking. I'm looking to this game on Wednesday first, and if we win convincing, convincingly, I'm a, that gives us so much like that much more of a chance against Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what what will it take for us to win? It'll take Dry Horn. We'll need to sh- make four threes, at least. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say he needs to shoot forty percent from behind the arc. Uh, we need to have no more than ten turnovers. Uh, which kind of sucks because it's still a lot. Um, so, uh, Joiner I think needs to play, and <laughs> Igbanu finds his shot. I think if if those if those all happen, I think we can win this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. These uh, they're a good team, but obviously, I mean, they're beatable. Richmond Richmond got them, and they're you know they're not a top twenty five team or anything like that. So we can. We can get there. We just got to, got to put together a complete game, and like I said, the vets got to step up and be the guys we know they can be. Yeah, because they they beat South Carolina by what? What did you say? Thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. And so South Carolina State. Yeah. Not, yeah. Sorry. Um, I don't think we'll beat South Carolina State by that, just because I don't think I. This is a team where I'm not convinced we will blow anybody out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Wednesday, I'll kind of determine how I feel going into Saturday. Yeah. 
looking forward to it. Should be a fun week. Uh, like we said, Wednesday at one o'clock at home, if you want to go to that game. And then, um, are you able to see what channel, uh, if you have that up right now, uh, what channel the game at Vanderbilt on Saturday at seven o'clock is? So we pause for a sec to do a little oh, wait, TV wait, wait. update. SEC oh. Network Plus. That's what you said already. Okay, but I was looking. Apparently, SEC Network Plus is different from standard ESPN Plus schedule. So, but it's on ESPN Plus. It's on SEC Network, ESPN SEC Network Plus. The fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know how that works. Um, let's see if I can search the game. Do they have? Do they not have like upcoming? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm. Given the option to select this game on ESPN Plus, we're counting it. So, okay, so a quick TV update for you. We spent more time than I thought we would spend trying to find out where this freaking Vanderbilt game is being played on TV. It is ESPN SEC Network Plus, which is apparently just code for uh, it's on ESPN Plus under some SEC heading. Uh, so, ESPN Plus, if you have that, uh, you'll be able to watch that game. South Carolina State is on ESPN3. Yeah. Um, so if you have ESPN3, it's just watch ESPN.com. You just need to be able to sign in with a cable provider or, or a uh, internet subscription, and you'll be able to watch that game. And that's, again, Wednesday at 1 o'clock. So uh, should be a fun week in basketball. Hopefully we come out with two wins. Uh, if not, I hope we at least show that we can play competitively with a team like Vanderbilt. Um, but we got a shot to beat them, so hope we can get there. Okay, so final things um, before we wrap it up. Uh, there was the Grey Cup yesterday. We watched that game. Uh, if you don't remember, the Grey Cup is the equivalent of the Super Bowl, but for the Canadian Football League, our our boy Tulsa's one true son, as I saw on Twitter, um, he was the is still probably the starting quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They were taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the CFL uh, or in the Grey Cup, I mean, and could not pull it off. Very ugly game, to be honest. Yeah. But what did you think about it, man? I know you, we, I, we both watched it. I just made that I've made the executive decision that, I mean, it was tough. It was tough to convince myself of even this, that after this ECU game on Saturday, uh, there's a strong chance I may never watch another football game for the rest of my life because impossible. I am cursed. And I guess other than, like, thank goodness I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, but, like, there's a lot of miserable – football watching that i've had to endure this season it's been rough man i mean it's been rough in the tulsa world for three coming on three years here straight that's i mean that's brutal like i don't know i'm I'm waiting for something positive to happen uh but i don't see any light at the end of this tunnel yet we'll see but yeah great cup it was a bummer still you know it's always fun to watch dane throwing it around out there just getting blown up all night though in the backfield like they had no time so, you know, it sucks to watch that part of it, but fun. He made it all the way to the Grey Cup as a back, you know, he started the season as a backup quarterback. Doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I did. I was, I was getting mad at some of these spots. Um, oh, true. Just because I feel like Canadian football doesn't believe in forward progress kind of thing. I know. And I'm just like mad at the refs and then the refs talk. And you're like, man, you guys are so nice. Yeah, no, I put that on like, Twitter. <laughs> like, oh, there is a, there is a major foul on the play. Um, you're not allowed to do that. Please don't do it again. I mean, that's... You got to work on that Canadian accent. Yeah, it's I'm not known for my accents. But um, uh, they're just they're so polite. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, hard to get mad at them, that's for sure. It was. It just seemed... It was very reminiscent of a Tulsa game, in my opinion. Um, it just felt like they didn't get a lot of time. 
Uh, yeah, but Winnipeg had, I mean, they had the best run defense and the best line in the CFL. So mm. it's tough. Yep. It's tough. Next year. Next year's the year. Tulsa's going to be good. Dane's going to win the Grey Cup slash be in the NFL. All will be right in the world. And basketball will probably still have Frank Hayes. And scene. End of episode. Oh, wait, no, I have to do the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this is definitely going to be over an hour. So, sorry. This is just how it goes when we have football and basketball and Grey Cup and interviews and all this stuff going on. Um, it will soon be back to normal because football season is almost over. Also, we have I have very little faith in Hayes. I'm speaking executively for myself and for Pat. I'm sure that the meter is like almost broken. Well, you know, we could be 0 and 5. I mean, yeah, we could. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah, I don't have much faith in him either. Um, okay, end of show. If you like the show, please share it on Twitter. That would be awesome. Um, you could also tell a friend about it with your mouth. That would be cool too. Would appreciate that. Uh, and if you want to go the extra step, you can do both of those things and you can leave us a review on Apple podcasts. Would very much appreciate it. Um, just saw a really funny review. Oh yeah. I put it on Twitter. That's right. Uh, go look at our reviews on Apple podcasts. Uh, there, there's a good one in there. They're, they're all good, of course, but, um, there's an especially funny one. And then while you're there, leave us one, um, five stars, preferably. If you want to support us financially, we do have a way to do that as well. We do all this for free just for the love of Tulsa sports and, uh, just like like talking about football and basketball. Um, so if you want to keep us going here, uh, you can sign up for a monthly donation on anchor.fm slash the golden hurricast. And there's a, you'll see a button on there that says support this podcast and it'll take you from there. Um, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at golden hurricast, or you can send us an email at the golden hurricast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. Also, if you're like super dedicated to telling your friends about it, please tell them with your eyes, not just with your mouth. Yeah, you know, give them some good eye contact when you're speaking the good word. Yeah. Stay golden. Hurricane.